Each week, the Bible as Literature podcast brings you in-depth discussion of the biblical text in a format short enough for your morning commute, but long enough to be substantive, posing difficult questions meant to keep you engaged. If you value this work, please consider donating as little as 25 cents per episode. That's just $1 per month. To learn more, please visit patreon.com forward slash Bible. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash Bible. Thank you. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos with the Bible as Literature podcast. People love rules for two reasons. First, they want clear guidelines on what they need to do to be in good standing and therefore off the hook. Second, as rule followers, they want a high perch from which to look down and criticize others who, by their measure, do not follow the rules. In Matthew, Jesus teaches that God provides his rules in the Torah because of the hardness of men's hearts. Such laws are not the measure of success, but a minimum requirement from a God who demands perfection of his followers. So Peter, please do not quote Leviticus to get yourself off the hook for your duty to the Gentiles. Richard and I discuss the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 to 22. You're listening to the Bible as literature. This is Father Mark Bulos. And this is Dr. Richard Benton. And you are listening to episode 334 of the Bible as Literature podcast. The number seven is an important number in Scripture. And if you're not familiar with its usage throughout the Bible, not just its general function as the divine number, remember that six is the number of the earthly king, of the Satan, and seven is the divine number, the fullness of God. That's why in Revelation the three sixes are such a handy metaphor, because on the one hand you have three sixes, emphasizing that this is truly the imposter, because three is the number of assuredness, of completeness. So this is truly the Satan. And then, of course, as we explained earlier, the three sixes can be transcribed into the noun Nero. So it's a metaphor for the Emperor Nero. But there's more going on because in the book of the law, in Leviticus, the number seven is used all over the place. And very specifically in chapter 13, with respect to how one should treat someone who might need to be put outside the community. So this verse 21 that we're coming up on, Richard, serves as a transition, a pivot point between the parable of the lost sheep, the admonition on how to interact with the lost sheep in order to win them back, and now the teaching on forgiveness. It's all connected. The number seven, as you called out, is all over Leviticus, and especially Leviticus 13. I mean, you look at how many times just the word seven appears, and you see the context that they appear in. They're all about rituals 
for the sake of purity and cleanness. Whether you're sprinkling an altar, whether you're waiting seven days until someone is better, whether they have to come seven times to the temple, there's always these sevens that keep appearing. The seven is the way that something is sanctified, the way that it is made holy by God. During this whole previous section, all the way back to the Pharisees, Jesus has been trying to teach how the most important thing that the Lord himself focuses on is the restoration of the lost sheep. That's what he rejoices in. And if anyone gets together and has some sort of desire in the congregation, then it should be around bringing back the lost sheep. And it's all about the lost sheep. And so this discussion that we have here, before it goes into this parable about forgiveness, after the section we're going to be discussing today, we have Peter. Now, Peter is acting naughty because he wants to figure out a way to get himself off the hook. Yes, we know, Jesus, you want us to be taking care of the lost sheep, but, you know, that's really hard. You know, when can I call it done? When can I just put a stake in the ground and say, you know, I don't have to go after the lost sheep anymore? Jesus, can you just give me a hint on how far I'm going to have to go before I can just let the lost sheep go? Peter is this antagonist within Jesus's own party. He keeps popping up as the one that Jesus has to argue against. Whether he's a spokesman for the rest of the disciples or not, it's always Peter who's named in these interscholastic discussions. Just like Jesus was telling the Pharisees, no, you don't get to get off the hook on how you treat others. It is not what goes into the human that makes him clean or unclean, but what comes out that makes him clean or unclean. Now, Peter is trying to figure out when can he call himself good when dealing with the lost sheep. Peter wants to make himself clean without worrying about the weaker brother anymore. And what Jesus has to teach him is that it's not what goes into the flock that makes it unclean, like you were mentioning with the lepers and that sort of thing from Leviticus 13, but what comes out of the flock, that is, how are those who are on the inside taking care of those on the outside? Jesus is trying to teach Peter and the disciples the meaning of Leviticus, and of course in the Gospel of Matthew, the law was given because of the hardness of men's hearts. If you submit to the commandment in Leviticus to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself, you don't need Jesus to explain how many times you should forgive. But because of the hardness of men's heart, the law codifies the duty of the priest with respect to the one who is a threat to the community. I just want to read a little bit of Leviticus chapter 13, to set the tone for this morning's discussion, Richard, beginning with verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling or a scab or a bright spot, and it becomes an infection of leprosy on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priests. 
The priest shall look at the mark on the skin of the body, and if the hair in the infection has turned white, and the infection appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is an infection of leprosy. When the priest has looked at him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body, and it does not appear to be deeper than the skin, and the hair on it has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate him who has the infection for seven days. And throughout the chapter, the law demands of the priest at each seven-day interval that he continued to inspect, giving every possible opportunity to reintegrate the one who is afflicted with the skin disease back into the community. So Leviticus is putting the priest at risk in order to reintegrate, if at all possible, the lost sheep back into the flock. Now, the question Jesus will address is, how many times, Peter, do you have to go and take that risk in order to bring back the one who was put outside? Notice that all of this passage is about how to bring the person back. It's not under what circumstances do you cut somebody off. It's all about how do you integrate that person back in. The emphasis is on integration. How do we bring in the lost sheep, not when do we send him out? Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Peter is trying to abuse the Torah. He is using the biblical text to get off the hook from his duty to take care of the weaker brother. This is the point in Matthew. You fool. The Torah demands of you perfection, and you are using it as a tool to justify yourself, and then you're looking down your nose at people whom you say can't be perfect when the law was given to cause you to stumble. You should know from Leviticus, Peter, that you have to keep going. Didn't you see how many times I demanded of my priest to come into contact with someone with a potentially communicable skin disease? You may not use the law to get yourself off the hook. It's the law that puts you on the hook. That the law is expressing to you a duty and a command, you don't use it to find technicality so you don't have to do anything. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. If it's actually a command and actually a word and the will of God, then why are you trying to figure out when you no longer have to do anything? Let me ask you this. Okay, so you get to the limits of the law and the law says, okay, you're off the hook. What are you going to do then? Uh, you're not going to listen to God anymore. You're going to go do your own thing. This is why people want to get off the hook from doing the law is because they want to go do their own thing. And this is precisely why Jesus was getting after the Pharisees in the beginning, because the Pharisees are using the law to show how they themselves are justified, i.e. off the hook, and everyone else is not justified, i.e. on the hook. Now, Peter is trying to figure out himself, so within Jesus' school, how to get himself 
off the hook, and he wants to get Jesus to give him the pass. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. This is a way of expressing an absolute fullness, meaning you just keep going. There is no limit until the Lord comes because you're not the judge. You have no right to abandon anyone or to write them off if you are entrusted with the keys of my instruction for the sake of this flock. There is no exit strategy for you, Peter, unless you want to quit the program. But if you're staying with the program, you have to keep going after the one who is at risk because you're not a priest in my cultic temple. You're a priest in the temple of my gospel, which is a boundless temple which can move out among the Gentiles. It's not a temple of stone made by the hand of man. So there are no boundaries, there are no limits. And I said to you in the Sermon on the Mount, I'm going to repeat it, you have to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So once you're perfect, then you're done, Peter. Knock yourself out. See if you can become perfect like my dad. This perfection is there so that we're reminded that we are always on the hook. We can't perform a duty and then get off the hook. When we were in seminary, Father, you know, we had to study Father Alexander Schmemann, and people still think to this day, and it's causing great controversy, that they have to go to church. But then what comes after that, they ignore. We have to go to church, but, you know, I don't have to wear a mask because freedom, right? I have freedom, so I don't have to wear a mask. But I do have to go to church. I have to go to church. But Father Alexander Schmemann said, you know, church is the first day of the week. Once you go there and partake in liturgy, now you're on the hook for the rest of the week. And people forget about that. They want the experience of going to church, but they don't want to listen to the command that makes a bunch of people going to this place church, which is hearing of the gospel. You hear the gospel and it puts you on the hook for the rest of the week. People think that if they go to church, then they've done their duty, and now they're off the hook starting on Monday. This is very destructive because what you've just done is justified your ego for six days. The reason why we go to church is so we hear the word. The reason why we rest is because God worked, not so we could do our duty and then get ourselves off the hook. As long as I've forgiven seven times, I'm off the hook. As long as I've sacrificed this, I'm off the hook. As long as I showed up and sang a few songs, I'm off the hook. No, once you profess the Father of Jesus as your God, you are on the hook until the end. Seven times 70 also implies that the fullness is inclusive of the Gentiles. You're not off the hook, Peter, specifically with respect to the gospel to the Gentiles, because the Romans counted in tens. That's why ten represents the numbering of the nations, but twelve represents the numbering of Israel, because there were twelve tribes. So if you have seven times seventy, that means that the divine fullness is complete when all of the nations, it's ten times seven— when all of the nations are brought under the aegis 
of God's instruction. You're not done once you've brought all the sheep into this flock. I hate to tell you, Peter, I'm going out there and I'm trying to create as many flocks as I can, trying to collect all the lost sheep. It's going to be up to you after I'm gone to make sure that all these lost sheep are taken care of. So if you take out your calculator and multiply 7 times 7 and get your number and think you're all set, then you've done with Matthew what Peter was doing with Leviticus and you're under condemnation. Thanks very much, Dr. Benton. Thank you, Father. You've just heard the Bible as literature. Thanks for listening. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.